173, the 6th of April, 2012. James, welcome back to the couch. It's a good Hi, Ian. Yeah, it's been uh, it's been a little while. The couch feels a little cool. Yeah, uh, well, hopefully we'll be able to warm it up a little bit. <laughs> yeah, let's let's hope we've still got the old listener out there. But uh, <laughs> if, if the faithful could return, they might get a quick notification. Indeed. Um, but here we are on the couch, episode one hundred and seventy-three, uh, and we're going to talk about that usual mix of digital entertainment and media stuff, aren't we? Indeed. We we know we're trying to kick through what's happening. In the business sense, what's happening in terms of new technology, a bit of uh, how we get delivered our content. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then we always have to have a bit of mobile news. There's always a bit of that mm-hmm. going around. Um, gaming is always a bit of amusement. And there's always a, an other section that we like to delight in. And we've got yeah. a few goodies to share with you Fantastic. as ever. I'm looking forward to right. uh, hearing about that. So uh, just mm. kicking off straight away, James. Um, so here in New York, I just went to the Cable Interacts conference yesterday. All right. This is so, probably a cable a conference every day of our lives, isn't it? So what was this one um, yeah, in, thrilling in, us in with? In New York, there certainly is. But uh, this one was interesting because they had a lot of people from uh, Comcast, Cablevision, Time Warner. All the canoe guys looking for a job. <laughs> yes. Uh, well, that's the interesting thing. So this was all about interactive. And uh-huh. I guess some of the key takeaways here is that is that interactive TV in the US is here, that it's actually being rolled out, that uh, in terms of um, actually making some money from it, they've had uh, they've actually done billions of, well, they're calling them impressions. Um, <laughs> what they really mean is they've stuck the interactive ad on the screen. Uh, and they've run 1,700 campaigns in Comcast over the last little while. All right. uh, and, and this is all EBIF stuff, is it, presumably? All EBIF stuff. And just interesting mm-hmm. to see some of the... Uh, uh, Are they sharing the real, the critical thing I've always seen in these, the red button kind of stuff in Europe is mm. the call to actions. How many people bought cars from the ads after yeah. clicking this and be a test drive or bought a pizza? Yeah. Have they, anyone shared that stuff? They did actually. It was interesting to see the the differentiation. So let me just grab my little notes here. Because yep. often it seems kind of, you know, I remember in Europe something Peugeot said, we sold two cars as a result of a, a campaign. <laughs> and, and it's like... Is, is that good or bad? That sound, well, it sounds really bad. I mean... <laughs> So I don't know how that compares. Well, the, the response rates they got in Comcast, uh, so this is all public, so I'm not saying anything out of school here. So mm-hmm. but RFI, which is a request for information, the average across all those campaigns was about 0.08% uh, for mm-hmm. telescoping, which presumably is going to another, uh, going to another Long channel. Long format, yeah. That's yeah. 0.19% and the same similar sort of rates for uh, uh, record reminder. Actually, the record reminder I thought was an interesting one. So the example mm. I gave was for the Opera Winfrey network where, you know, it's been introduced, but no one can ever find it. Like it's channel 937 or something. You're not going to yeah, stumble yeah, across yeah, it. Yeah. But Opera's a very, f- you know, famous program. A lot of people watch Opera. So it's like the mm. book from promo kind of thing. Yeah, That's so what I refer to as. Instead of actually going to record it like you can get in Sky, it simply changes the channel to the one you first thought of. Like, do you want to watch um, Opera Winfrey network now? Oh, so. Hit the button. And for mm. them, for people being able to actually go across and find them, there's value in that. They'll, you know, yeah, people yeah, yeah. Will pay for that. So I thought that was interesting. Uh, but the range. But what was the interaction rate on that? I uh, don't know what, about that one in particular, but the, the RFI ranged from 0.01% for information about a window replacement company in a particular market. So basically nothing uh, to 0.65% <laughs> for getting two free bottles of soda delivered. So uh, it does really oh, depend okay. on the campaign. And they got up to about 1% uh, 
response rate for uh, the VOD telescoping for a Nike ad. So, you know, depending on what you're actually doing, 1% response rate is actually quite massive considering Pretty good. You know, the numbers. And what about, are they doing anything to educate consumers here? Is there like promos to let them know that they can interact? Because I guess yeah. normally you wouldn't know. And if you come on, I guess you can notice because eBiff graphics are so rubbish that they would stand out <laughs> and go, what's that? There's something on the screen. Well, what they did found, <laughs> find is that for a two-week campaign, the second week was massively... Uh, massively through the roof, they said, compared to the first week. So the first week, people kind of notice it, but don't grab their remote in time. Mm. Uh, the second but week- if 0.08% is through the roof, imagine what the first week was like. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, but th- that, those are good numbers, right? The 0.1% mm. is effectively, you know, that's across millions of households. Where, I mean, we're talking about... Uh, yeah, it's not bad for direct marketing, I suppose. I mean, well, um, is, yeah. and, but yeah. I mean, I was getting some emails today about you know direct marketing spam mm-hmm. emails. Get response rates of eight percent. We'll give you the secret sauce and people like that. So yeah, it's 8%, it's 8%, another tool in the armory, yeah. I guess. That's it is, the, um, absolutely. Um, and the fact that you know Comcast now have fifteen million households out there. Comcast have uh, sorry, Table Time want to have ten. So between the two of them, that's twenty five million households running the same campaign across both, getting point one percent. Is actually that's a lot. That's a lot of households responding. Of people I mean, let me that just actually genuinely do the math, the as they say. Twenty-five, one, two, three. You know, Twenty-five million multiplied by point one. What do you get? Point. Let's let's be less aggressive. Oh, I guess it's still that's two million responses. Yeah, I yeah, can't I mean, be. That's a lot of bottles. My maths, my maths, it must be two hundred thousand responses or something. Yeah. <laughs> yeah my calculator's right. rubbish, and my brain's rubbish. <laughs> I think it's probably the latter. I think but two hundred thousand um, responses—that's that's that's very good for two hundred thousand people. You absolutely know want your product, so that's uh, that's fantastic. So that was very interesting, James, just to see that uh, interaction. Twenty thousand, twenty thousand responses from 20, twenty-five million. Okay, so now we can. Now, I'm glad you got that right, James. Before our listeners called in and went, "You can't." Count. <laughs> that's so, good. Yeah, twenty thousand responses, fantastic. Um, yeah. Now uh, that's good to see that interactive is alive and well. That have actually we're finally getting scale in the US. That interactive mm-hmm. is. Uh, but then if you're going, I think also you've got to be, have to take a measured view here. If you're going into that conference, everyone's clearly going to say interactive is alive and well, because that's why they're there. Well, that's true. Um, and so it is, you <laughs> it's, know, it's all double plus good. You know, that's the, uh, everyone, everyone is drinking from the Kool-Aid. Uh, that's for sure. Yeah. Uh, but another, so kind of on a sideline from that, the, one of the panels was asked what is the thing that's going to happen this year? And what they were talking about was, it was it was to do with actually having targeted advertising, so video ads that are swapped oh, yeah, out based yeah. on who you're, uh, who you're where you are, geographic yeah. splits or demographic yeah. splits. Yeah. So apparently that was the thing that's gonna that was actually going to happen this year. So mm. um, okay, well let's let's keep an eye on that. I think the old advertising world certainly needs to change. Is pretty yep. stuck in the dark ages. Dynamic um, ad insertion. That's what they called it. Yeah, sounds like the internet to me. Whatever that's <laughs> the interweb. You well, know, speaking of that, James, I, I got to tell you that. The, the weirdest thing has been happening to me this week. Now, maybe this is a US phenomenon, but I don't mm-hmm. think so. Um, so a few websites I've been to lately, I've just turned up at the website, had a look around. And then yeah. after that, these ads have been following me around on other websites. It's very odd. So I went to a website about, uh, it was a, an internet video camera. Nothing, yeah. nothing particular, right? I mean, I, I go to lots of websites. Is this a webcam service, In I mean, an internet <laughs> video camera? <laughs> no, no, you buy the camera, not the service. Oh, anyway, sorry, I was confused. And, and yes. then I went on all these other websites, I turn up and there's these ads for the same product. It's like, it's like, how does it know? But apparently all the cookies now are all interchanged with other websites so that actually, they can yeah. actually retarget you based on the fact- Well, what a surprise. The there's probably only like three ad networks. 
Yeah, so basically, you know, cool. it, and and being ways. America, it's somewhat monopolistic in tendencies. So um, three, yeah. actually, there's probably only one. Probably one. So uh, <laughs> <laughs> that's the way it is. Um, so uh, James, but, uh, kicking on to technology, we've got yeah, um, technology. Um, right, Google Google Glasses. A lot of noise about them. These are these. Um, you know, the the look at a person and tell who they are. Look out the window. It's quite a good video. You can um, take a look at. I think on the link in the show notes. Yeah. Um, Does it seem to actually work? Well, it's still, I mean, it's from the X team, X development research team at Google. And you know, there's some photos of Sergey wearing these kind of glasses things. And it's more of a kind of a monocle, like a heads up display monocle mm-hmm. kind of affair, um, which doesn't actually obscure your whole life. So it's, it's more of a, it's, it's almost like a targeting, a targeting reticule, you know, if I would say, <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's a bit so of a, what can so it tell you? What can it tell you though? Does it? It can give you directions. It'll give okay. you alerts about meetings. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, if you look outside, it can do orientation. It's got clearly the gyro stuff in, so it knows where you okay. are. Right. Uh, it seems to also have a kind of microphone and music kind of thing. So it's not a, not unlike the headset you're wearing, I guess. Okay. Um, but it's got this eye component so as, a, as a display. So it's a kind of a hybrid input. It's not just visual. It's also got voice and okay. it's got um, audio feedback as well. So it's um, kind of like a hands-free phone, I guess. Yeah, uh, and it wasn't doing too much Siri kind of stuff. It wasn't right. really doing much of that. It was it was doing a bit of dictation, send a text, but nothing kind of hmm. make me a recommendation or find me this. Okay, I saw some uh, a couple of interesting spoof videos on YouTube. I'll pop the links in there as well, where someone's yeah. kind of walking along and they this little thing pops up and says, "Do you want to chat to so and so?" And then and then he smacks into a pole like the whole thing. <laughs> <laughs> but it's, see, it's not like it's not like that. It really is just kind of um, it, it's a, the whole video is a point of view kind of thing. Uh-huh. So it's just looking along, and it, and so you see the display rarely covers more than a third of the screen, right? Uh, and looking yeah, at the all, all the visuals, it's seriously only one one eye has got this display in. So but see, that, um, that makes sense if you're wandering along looking for a nice restaurant. You walk past, you look at it, and your glasses can see it. Do a you know pattern match. Localization. It wasn't doing so much of that. It was kind of like remind. He was looking at a a poster on the street in New York and going, "Oh, you know, um, remind Mm -hmm. me to go and see that buy tickets for that concert tonight." But it was a it was a looking at it. It was a verbal input. There was no kind of recognizing what it was. There was no looking at a QR code on a banner or anything. There was none of that going on at all. I mean, fundamentally, as we'll get onto later on, there are a lot of problems with this in battery life, display yeah. resolution, the all these kind of things. And, and you know, whether you have to you know, f- affix this device to your head by plugging the earphones <laughs> in, and you know, I mean, like putting a helmet on. Yeah. Um, well, I mean, and the ones I've seen I, I, uh, shows here have been like that. People wandering around with Bluetooth headsets, let alone visual things going on. Yeah, exactly. So, anyway. Um, right, another story here you've got about uh, Flash. Yeah. Is it dead yet? The flash dance, I guess. What's yeah. the um So uh it's one of those press releases that's saying it's all good and amazing and we're working with Google to do Flash in blah blah blah. But actually what they're saying is that their their Linux port of Flash is the last one they're ever gonna do. And after that, either you get it through Chrome, through something or other, but as a general flash release, Adobe aren't gonna do anything else. That's right. So, James, do you think HTML5 has killed Flash? Like, is that where everything's heading now? Well, I think I was talking at a conference the other day, and, you know, clearly today if you mm-hmm. stood up in the room and said, oh, Flash is going to win, you'd be um, laughed out of the room. It would be, no, HTML5 right. is going to win. Uh, but if you'd said that three years ago, 
everyone would have agreed with you. Oh, that's great. So, mm. um, I think w- who was it who you know put the the nails in the coffin of Flash? It's not dead. It's still being used. It's still out there. It's it's kind of in a lot of devices. Um, but iOS, yes. I guess clearly, if you're targeting mobile browser use, and there's lots of stats we see on the internet about that um, Android, while it's got more devices than iOS, is not driving as much web traffic. Um, mm. So, yeah, um, I guess Adobe need to reinvent themselves and you know, there's no reason why they can't author for HTML5. Um, there's mm. still lots of challenges and I've started to see quite a few companies creating graphical authoring environments to get to HTML5. And it's not very mature either. So, you know, Cool. So uh, once you've got your content, James, you need to deliver it. So mm. that was my segue into the content delivery section. Oh, okay. You are so cool on this uh, thing. So uh, the other thing, um, content, since we last podcasted, uh, Roku has launched in the UK. Um, and they seem to seem to have a stack of channels. Yeah, uh, uh, you know, 100 channels. I think that's, they've got about 500 in, in the US now. Um, that's amazing. So I guess that's it's relatively easy, I think, to get your your stuff on there. Um, mm-hmm. Maybe we should uh, publish ourselves. Up, I think. Let, let yeah, us know. Yeah, f- <laughs> feedback at on the Cash <laughs> Podcast, the Roku channel about it. Um, <laughs> so, so, so it's a tiny little box about the size of an Apple TV little box. Yeah, by the and I think the attraction really is it doesn't give you access to the. I mean, it is pretty like an Apple TV, except you can play games on it. Mm-hmm. So there's an Angry Birds version for mm-hmm. ninety nine pounds or whatever. Um, <laughs> it gives you access okay. to Amazon Prime content as well, as well as oh, as well yeah. as okay. Netflix, cool. uh, which is also launched in the UK. Um, mm. Not much content though, um, mm-hmm. but I guess that's it. Gets the the niche stuff in there. So they've got um, Crackle from Sony. It's pretty usual as well. Major League yeah. Baseball Ultimate Fighting Championship mm. UFC, mm-hmm. which is very popular. Um, Lots of music. There was Pandora, Spotify, all that kind of stuff. Um, Interesting. So, uh, I mean, it's a it seems like a worthy competitor now. To if you've got a good internet connection, then are you going to ditch your Sky subscription for that, James, in the UK? What do you think? Um, I'm not sure. I don't know. I don't think you would because the content still. I mean, it's a lot of. It's like when we've, I know we've got a story later on about Love Film. Um, but we love film. The amount of content actually available is not great, um, and also it may not be you know premium content. It tends to be niche kind of stuff. Uh, yeah. And the Roku interface, and I've seen that they're they're actually hiring new user interface people, but the interface is quite basic. <laughs> is that a clue? Is it? Well, I mean, I've, I was at a conference and they were talking. The CEO Anthony uh, Anthony Wood, mm-hmm. I think, was talking about uh, how they've done. 20 different software updates they're investing in the software as Apple's only done 10 um, right. whether that means they have to do a software update to add channels or not I don't know but uh, mm. obviously everything's different but it's a, it's a nice looking device they're a, they're a hardware company they've got some good partners in there um, mm. Mm. <coughs> I think it's a good way of getting Netflix certainly but then so is, so is Apple TV I suppose and Apple TV come out with a new version as well the 1080p one with yeah, the iPad 3. Nice. Uh, so, proper proper HD content? Yeah. Um, if, you, if your network can handle it, that's the thing. Yeah, exactly. And um, so my experience here with Time Warner Cable in New York is that I'm absolutely convinced that the iTunes downloads are rate-shaped because uh, they're so much slower than anything else you could possibly download for no apparent reason. So 
Uh, and the data center is closer for you, I think, in New York as well. I think the Apple, they've got that East Coast yeah, data center. Uh, there's, there's absolutely no reason for it. Like it takes almost as long to download a movie as to watch the movie. So you're still, you're hoping all the time that it's going to stream just slightly faster than the actual movie. And sometimes it does. Well, what about Netflix? Well, you're not a Netflix guy. Uh, I haven't tried Netflix. I'll have to give that a go. Because Netflix actually do a kind of a league table of who's got the best service. So if they kind of, they really? name and shame. That would be Andy. That would be good to know. Yeah, they do the naming and shaming. Very interesting. So, um, um and uh, YouTube announced recently that they've got hundreds of movies from Paramount, so they've adding another 500 new movie titles to YouTube and Google Play. What's, do you know what Google Play is, James? Google Play That's is the new name for the Android Marketplace. Ah, I see. Um, which they renamed uh, since our last podcast. Get on top of your game there, Ian. I don't know. <laughs> uh, I also was hearing on the news about, um, I don't know if it was Paramount, but there's still some lawsuits which were started... Um, mm. probably two, three years ago, which have just come to court mm. where people are suing YouTube for putting premium content online without permission yeah. and without you. Yeah. So this is actually, from what I can recall, this is actually Viacom that's, uh, that's going after YouTube. Yeah, well, well they went uh, after them, didn't they? But it's only just come to court. Yeah, so, uh, well, no, no, no. They, they, they went to court and the court said, no, no, no. The DCMA covers this. You're, you're off your rocker. Um, but they've appealed it now. The appeal judges have said, okay, you can proceed with the appeal. So, <laughs> you know, these things take forever. And, uh, yeah, anyway. But certainly, I mean, it, it, you know, the rise of OTT, YouTube is trying to put together a lot of mm-hmm. the lean back channels. Um, yeah. Well, absolutely. They've got uh, 9,000 movies for it now from millions of people around the world. Whatever. Yeah, I guess what they don't have so much is the Google wallet hasn't taken off so much. So they don't have the credit yeah. card numbers of so many people unlike Amazon and exactly. Apple. So yeah. Amazon and Apple have everybody's everybody's credit card numbers making it easy whereas I mean I've seen some uh, Google wallet um, accepted here kind of things in New York but yeah. uh, haven't seen anybody using I guess they're hoping so. to try and get people when they start using mobile phones and do uh, mm-hmm. NFC payment mm-hmm. then you'll need to register some kind of wallet I guess you don't necessarily want to go on your mobile phone bill especially as most people with Android more of them are pay-as-you-go as opposed to oh, really? the, um, the people who are on contracts and so have a direct billing mm-hmm. relationship. So, um, mm-hmm. Interesting place to watch. But yeah, definitely it's not over the top. is not going away. No, in fact, uh, Love Film just put out a press release about a week ago saying that they now stream more content than they actually mail. So streaming is, streaming is the new DVD, James. Yeah, that's, uh, <coughs> that's kind of interesting, isn't it? I mean, is that more... What's the metric they're using? Is it? Uh, is it minutes, more minutes of stuff? Was, or? Uh, it must be minute by minute, but uh, they're saying that the in 12 months, their internet views have increased by 400%. I don't think they had a... Don't, did they really have anything 12 months ago? They did, yeah, yeah. They um, had uh, limited services available, but only mm. to it was only to PCs and not all the content. I guess now they've renewed right. their deals and... Um, right. I mean, I've tried Love Film on a PS3, and the content is the content's okay. Like, it, there's a lot missing, um, but the actual quality is is SD at best. Yeah. So you kind of like if it's a TV show, you'd be happy to watch it. If it's a movie, you wouldn't. It's like the early days of VOD, where there wasn't much content and it wasn't in particularly good quality. And every yeah. time you looked in the library, it was always the same stuff. And you had like the same movie in every genre. You're going, hang on. That's right. This can't be action and comedy. That's a comedy action film. Exactly. So, um, 
Mm. Uh, but I think you know, as I said, it's not going back. So in the mobile mm-hmm. space, um, mm-hmm. kind of is a bit gadgety. I've I uh, I've got myself a BlackBerry Playbook, which is um, oh yeah. And how's that, James? Well, Does that rock in your world? No, I mean to be honest, I, I I got it free at a conference, so it was kind of um, uh-huh. I say I won it, so I have to work really hard. But uh, <laughs> I first got hands on this device probably the CS before the last one at a mm-hmm. at a Mashable event. And you know, then you, I say hands on. They weren't they didn't let you have it, and it was played with battery issues apparently. But now mm. I've got it, um, and this this has got a new software in it, which means you don't have to have it. Okay. it you know, will do things. You can check email on it without it being hooked up to your BlackBerry. Um, right. I can bridge to my BlackBerry, but it's quite a pain because you have to enter the password in on both devices. Um, yeah, before that maybe that's really more cool. of a policy kind of thing and I guess the major downside is there just aren't that many apps um, Gameloft have done a few games for free uh, it does I mean the cool okay. thing about it is it is it does run kind of Android apps you have to do a kind of import of an Android app to a Blackberry app format but by and large mm-hmm. the Dalvik VM works got HTML5 it's got Flash um, okay it's fairly capable. Yeah, what's it like performance-wise? Like, is it nice and um, snappy? Is it? Uh, it's pretty snappy, actually. It's not bad, and it's got a. I guess it's like a seven-inch display. It's got a nice rubberized back, um, but I think it's it's too little, too late, and it's you know, mm. app developers aren't going to jump on it because it doesn't have any you know users. Uh, and and mm. to be frank, I don't think if I'd bought it, I'd probably be unhappy and want to give it back. <laughs> <laughs> which, which hands me over to you and your latest gadget. Tell me about uh, what have you bought in the mobile space? Uh, so I saw an ad for a, a mobile, I was going to say mobile watch, but it's a, a wearable Android device called the WIM, W-I-M-M. Uh, and I mean, the screen looks nice. It's got a touch screen. Um, it's like a sawn off matchbox, uh, isn't it? It's kind of like, a, it's like the size yeah. of a matchbook, but about 10 thick. Yeah. Yeah, it's, well, it's kind of about an inch, I'd say about an inch square. Yeah. Um, and that the screen is very nice and... and Capacitive touch screen, uh, is it? It's like you can... Yeah, yeah, you can do you can do multi-touch yeah. and stuff like that. The screen the screen resolution is nice. Um, you can add apps to it, the apps. You can add apps on the... So you do it on the web and then they just pop up on the actual device. Uh-huh. So it's all, it does Wi-Fi as well as Bluetooth. Um, but there's two issues with it. In terms of its interface with the iPhone, I was kind of hoping there'd be some sort of interface with the iPhone and you could actually see either text messages or emails or some something. API or something, can, yeah. Something. You can, get, you can get Google Calendar synced directly to Google on it. Yeah. Um, it doesn't play well with iOS. Yeah, and on uh, other devices other than iPhones, you can get text messages popping up on it. You can tell that there's a call coming in on your phone. Uh-huh. But what's the point of that, right? I know there's a call coming in because my phone is vibrating <laughs> in my pocket or whatever, right? So um, it does have lots of different clock faces, so you can have it as a clock. Sounds like an iPod um, Nano, but a lot more expensive. <laughs> um, and, but the the biggest down, I mean, it is quite thick. It's like kind of, I don't know, uh, almost a centimeter tall, yeah. I guess. Um, and all those things aside, I, the design is nice. It looks great. Uh, but the battery life was not the 30 hours they were promising. So it doesn't even last a day, in fact. So if you're kind of wearing yeah. it, having it not last a day, you're just not going to be able to charge it in between times. Did it uh, satisfy your inner nerd when you were wearing it on your wrist? Did people say, wow, what's that? That's cool. I felt very geeky, actually. In fact, it was cool. That, what, what was cool is that because it's all completely configurable, I had a watch face that had the weather on it and whether I what my next meeting was. Fantastic, right? That's right there. Yeah. Weather, next meeting, 
and the time. Yeah, I'm, which I think I'm is good, I've right? been that's to a conference great. on this kind of stuff, and that's cool because you just that natural certainly. For us, anyway, I guess Generation Z don't have watches anyway, but, you know, just looking at your watch, it's so much easier than unlocking your phone, figuring it out. I know. And we spend a lot of time I mean, wasting every day pulling out your phone, unlocking it and seeing exactly. what's up. Exactly. Um, and this is the thing about the Google Glasses as well, I guess, James. If it's there and interacting with you live without you having to do anything, even QR codes, it takes you a good 30 seconds to pull out your phone to find the app, the app da, 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 to load da, 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 da. it up, yeah. and then you walked past, right? Whereas if you can, if you've got something that's kind of always on and observing what's going on around you, and this is the great thing about having, you know, you're walking outside, you look at your watch, oh, but it's, it's nice and sunny today. I think I'll <laughs> not have to wear my jacket, you know? Whatever. Yeah, but you were like, outside it, already. There, <laughs> by that stage. But you see the, the instantness of the whole kind of yeah. wearable thing was, was very attractive. Yeah. But, We've got a bit of a way to go with battery life. So, I mean, the interface is there. It was, it was just about fast enough. It had a few bugs in terms yeah. of... Um, but that's why I think there's some other guys like MetaWatch. I, pointed out, I don't think I've got it in the show notes mm-hmm. yet, but MetaWatch.org. And they're, they've been working on just using the watch as a display, whereas I think the Wim is actually an mm-hmm. Android device, so it does chug through power. Uh, and it's got yeah. that full-color display. The Wim is more of a display for your phone, and it uses Bluetooth 4. Sorry, the MetaWatch mm-hmm. uses Bluetooth 4. So it's right. pretty low power. You just charge it up kind of as, as often as you might charge up your Bluetooth headset or a, a phone peripheral. Okay. Um, but you can okay. also configure it to show you know, do you have how many text messages, how many emails, uh, weather, time, obviously. Uh, so it's more of a watch, a watch with benefits <laughs> rather than a kind of... Um, right. See, that could work. Yeah. I think that could work because that, that's all I need really is... I mean, it's nice if I can configure it and change the graphics and all that kind of stuff, but really... If I had those kind of key bits of information available without having to unlock my phone, yeah, I, life, life would be better. better. I be think great. life would be better. Uh, yeah, yeah, agreed. So we've got a bit, a bit of bit of way to go with uh, with mobile devices yeah. still, James. And a couple of non reviewed <laughs> absolutely. Uh, um, so uh, on a, just having a look at games now. There were there was some games on this device, but I was uh, at that point I'd kind of given up. Um, but Angry Birds Space, which looking at the, the actual demos of that, that looks pretty cool, actually. And 10 million other people thought so in the first three days yeah. you downloaded it. So this it, includes so. like gravity and slingshots and new a new bird. Mm. Is there a new bird? Or not? Well, there probably is a new I bird haven't downloaded it. I must bird. Know, I've kind of gone off Angry Birds a bit, to be honest. <laughs> it's a bit passe. Cut the rope, Angry Birds. Yeah. Oh, you know. um, <laughs> so you're, you're probably playing um, Draw Something now. I'm not, so. actually. I'm still doing um, Hanging with Friends. Or <laughs> I've moved on. I, yeah, there's kind of an evolution I think people go through. I guess draw something will, someone will invite me to draw I'll, something. I'll invite you, then, it's actually quite fun. Oh God, um, no, no, no. <laughs> <laughs> it's, 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 a, it's very cute when you see someone sent you a drawing, like it's a kind of, you know, it takes no time and it's actually kind of fun. Uh, so... Okay, well, do do oh, invite me oh, to waste some I'll of my life. You to waste more of your life playing silly games. <laughs> <laughs> Guessing the smiley uh, pictures of what I'm trying to draw things. <laughs> uh, but yeah, it's clearly that's caught on. And I think, um, I, uh, is it o- OMG Pop? Bought by Zynga, the, the, author, the, the makers yeah, of that. So that's a good... Million, uh, 200 million in the, uh, the iTunes app lottery. You two can enter. Yeah. Very few win. Yeah. And I, but I think that's another one of these. It's it's a myth that it was an overnight success. This yeah, group has been around for a long time. They released 36 and apps. They were just about to close the company if something didn't happen soon. And they were lucky enough to hit it on this one. But uh, you just never know, James. It's just luck of the draw. 
indeed. It's well, I think having a good game helps yeah, as well. well it gets you in the ballpark. <laughs> it gets you in the ballpark, but it by no means gets you anywhere. There's no guarantee. Yeah, yeah, yeah. you've got to have the right virality in yeah. there. So, uh, so uh, in the other so, category, then James, what what is Twine. Tell me about that. Twine, I think we've talked a little bit before about this kind of internet of things. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know, like you, you do a few Arduino. You, like you do a bit of kind of Arduino, kind of Arduino minis and all this kind of stuff. Yeah. And, yeah. Um, <clears throat> one of the problems with these getting your stuff connected to the internet and like mm-hmm. retrofitting it uh, is it's actually quite geeky. <laughs> yes. Um, that would be true. Yeah. And, you know, you need to make stuff and download mm-hmm. and do coding and all this kind of stuff. So, uh, this is a Kickstarter project. I don't know if you've done any Kickstarter yes, stuff, this is- um, but it's called Twine, and basically it's a it's a sensor package right. with a accelerometer, um, temperature sensor, and you can get other external sensors for like moisture detection. There's even a general purpose one which does some sort of A to D conversion. Mm-hmm. I'm getting geeky now, um, but basically this thing hooks up to your Wi-Fi. I don't know how it does that because there's no display. It's just a battery-powered device that lasts for a, a month or so on a couple of AA batteries. Um, and then there's a web page associated with it where you okay. can basically do a lot of logical things like if the temperature goes above this and it's moving and do this, then send me a tweet, a text, right. or an email. Okay. So you can put this somewhere. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm thinking I might use it to say, to remind me to turn off my... Uh, my irrigation system in my garden so I don't waste <laughs> lots of water because I don't need to because the water the ground is moist enough so I can turn it off because um, oh. a lot of these things you just wouldn't remember to do yeah. um, or uh, the washing you can even like the washing machine's finished or someone come into your house or mm-hmm. uh, all sorts of weird stuff you could do but basically it means you can very simply kind of do mm procedural programming without needing to do it with just a web-based without interface. And if you plug news... Yeah, that sounds exactly. Cool. I saw something similar this, um, uh, this week, which, uh, and I'll dig up the exact name of it for the show notes, but uh, essentially it was a way of um, uh, connecting to Patube. I don't know yeah, Patube, which has been bought by another bunch. Mm, so they're, they're doing it right. And it's a way of connecting yeah. to this website that allows you to upload your temperature data and stuff um, but in this case, this little device, uh, so it is wireless and it allows you connect, to connect to the internet, but it does it in a very clever way in that it has an ethernet connection to your router and that... Oh, it does a one-time pairing kind of thing when you plug it in. No, it? so, well, yeah, so, uh, so, and the actual sensor device talks wirelessly to the thing that you've plugged into the ethernet port. So it's wireless in the sense okay. that the two things are talking together, but it's not Wi-Fi, hence... Right, right, yeah. I think I've seen that with the, I don't know if you've seen the guys from Peel... Who made this this kind of lemon shaped fruit thing, which uh, and it was an I, an iOS device on Android, I think as well, to control via um, infrared your uh, okay. uh, your satellite or cable box, so you can use it as a remote control. And it's like a companion app guide, right. but they do a similar thing. They have this thing I think they call it the Squid, which plugs into your <laughs> Wi-Fi router, and then it talks. Um, I think it's RF for CE yep. or Zigbee protocol yep. to keep the battery life down. Basically, yeah, that's the thing. Yeah, that's, um, that's brilliant, right? Because Wi-Fi does suck the life out of any device, as my whim wearable Android device will attest to. Yeah, uh, but yeah. I thought that was a very clever way because also Ethernet requires zero configuration, right? No Wi-Fi passwords, no which network, yeah. no congestion. Just plug it in, plug the other thing in, off you go. Like that's yeah, that's very yeah. clever. So physical security. Yeah, that's the, way. the yeah, yeah. James, so that kind of wraps us up for episode one hundred and seventy-three. Three. 
So do send us your feedback, feedback at onthecouchpodcast.com or any interesting stories. We'd love to hear from you. So uh, goodbye from me, James. And goodbye from Ian. Cheers. Bye. This episode of On The Couch Podcast is brought to you by embeddedadventures.com, your source for embedded kits and things to play with. 